Guys, I want to thank the sponsors of the podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com, my friend Cody Nelson, the glassing guru, the optics authority. He's the optics manager at GoHunt.com. If you have any interest in buying optics or have any glassing questions, whether it be tripods, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, range finders, anything to do with glassing, give Cody a call, 702-847-8747, that's extension 2, or you can email him at optics at gohunt.com. You can also send him a text or call him on his cell phone at 602-399-3699. Guys, right now at GoHunt.com Insider, you can take advantage of the free trial. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash Scott. You're going to be able to take advantage of a free trial of the Insider. GoHunt is always adding more value for their Insider members. They've now added real 3D maps as a part of Insider for no additional cost. What an incredible value. Very soon, they're going to have their mobile app up as well. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash Scott and sign up for a free trial. If you're already an Insider member, it's automatically part of your Insider membership. And you can just go to the Maps tab up at the top once you sign in as an Insider. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That's the gear that I wear on all of my hunts. To find out more, you can go to KUIU.com, Kuyu.com. They're a direct-to-consumer company. They sell everything off of the Kuyu.com website. I also do a lot of question and answer on my Instagram where I'm answering questions about guys wanting to know about gear about Kuyu, so tune into my Instagram. I want to thank Kuyu for their sponsorship. I also want to thank Phonescope.com. Use the JScott20 promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount on all orders. Again, thanks to all the sponsors of my podcast. Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today I've got Lance Kronberger of Freelance Outdoor Adventures out of Alaska. Lance, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Doing great, but it's you said it was about 10 degrees at your house and you were mad at me because it's about 70 at mine right now. Yeah, you know, you guys, <laughs> you superstars living down there where it's warm. Yeah, it's uh, it's still dark. And it's cold, and I got to go plow snow when we get done uh, talking on the, this podcast. Oh, man. Um, Lance, what a year, you know, it's been, and we're, we've got another application season coming up here with Alaska. I think the deadline's December 15th, and so we've got about 10 days now before the applications are due in Alaska. Um, lots to talk about with COVID and all your different hunts and um I want to kind of dive in before we really get to the application portion of, uh, you know, the Alaska season coming up here and just talk to you about last year, late February, March, uh, all of a sudden, and I'm assuming that's, you know, right before some of your bear hunting and and what have you later in the spring, Um, then COVID-19 hits and all of a sudden, you know, you start hearing about shutdowns and you know, quarantines, um, from a business perspective, uh, how was 2020 as far as dealing with that and kind of start back at the beginning when it all first started happening and kind of work through how you had to handle it? You know, it it was, it was one of those things that we just, you know, every day you woke up going, I mean, what's going to happen? And so, you know, 
it was it was you know it was a rough spring for everybody it's been a rough year for everybody and it was just it it super changed how we thought about stuff but um you know we woke up and you know april 1st the governor comes out and shuts down spring bear season for guided hunts for two months april and may so we lost our kodiak season we lost our peninsula brown bear season and all of a sudden i got 20 hunters i gotta cancel and uh, figure out what we're gonna do and then and, and i don't even know so luckily guys were great the hunters were great i i just you know um it, you know that's part of you know having a bunch of more repeat guys i just said you know, we're, we're gonna figure it out i just gotta see what is gonna be available so you know fast forward every day was you know like trying to figure out the state ended up on our on our peninsula brown bear season at cinder river they postponed it a year because we have we're on an every other year in the spring so instead of hunting in 2020 spring we're going to hunt in 2021 spring um and then we're going to hunt again in 2022 spring so that was a that was a good fix we found out um the board of game ended up deciding on that um sometime in july so we were able to do that the kodiak um, thing is a little more complicated and so when it was all said and done we ended up losing our our whole spring season so those four kodiak brown bear tags that i had um they were gone and never coming back so um that was that was a that's a big hit you know it's, we're not, we can't make them up it's not like they have a quota that is over a five-year period it's a every year quota and so it, they were gone um and so we just pushed pushed all those hunters back in Kodiak. We pushed all those guys back a year. Um, and then, you know, on the peninsula stuff, it kind of changed, um, what was happening because we do spring grizzly bears. And so it, I just had to do a lot of shuffling, had to move guys around. Um, we ended up, so the governor allowed our hunting season for bears, for non-residents to open back up June 1st while grizzly bear stuff is open from the first through the 15th is that's the end of the season. And so I was in contact with the state, you know, representatives and things and trying to make sure I was following all the rules, but we ended up doing, you know, 14 days of hunting, um, for grizzly bear. And it was super logistically challenging. Um, we have a, we have an Alaska airline who services 140 communities that went bankrupt two weeks into COVID. So how we get around the state to a lot of our places, um, that was no longer available. But I ended up getting um, all my guides and clients to go to Seattle overnight. And then they had the early flight to Anchorage got to Anchorage. Everybody was in Anchorage by 2 p.m. At 2 p.m., at 3 p.m., the charter flights headed to Uniclete. We were in Uniclete by 5, and um, to follow all the restrictions and everything, I had everybody in the field that before midnight. The last, <laughs> the last flight was touching down at 11.40. We had everybody in the field, so nobody overnighted. Everybody was quarantining in the field. Um, we ended up having a great spring bear season. The hunters were great. Um, you know, getting out of the field became challenging because we had to go to Nome to fly guys out. Some guys had to stay extra days in the field just because of the way the flights worked, but everybody was great. We got through it. And, um, that was kind of, 
our trial run. Here's what we're going to have to do to be able to operate. Now we got the summer to figure out what's going to happen in the fall. That's a lot to take in. What I heard from that was you lost four of your Kodiak bear hunts that are just gone from a, so that for people listening, that was every, you know, obviously you're an outfitter. You, you, that's what you do for a living. You lost a portion of your income with, you know, those are big, you know, high dollar type hunts and how as a, as an outfitter, as a professional, do you just take it and move on and take the loss and, you know, there's nothing you can do about it or how challenging was that? And, uh, for other people in the industry and in the business that had to absorb losses like that, I have to believe that it, that it was a big hit on a lot of the outfitters up there. Yeah. You know, I, you know, it was hard on everybody. I I feel super sorry for these Canadian guys because you know that they, they have they don't even have any options with the border being shut. Um, you know, and I I I don't know. Everybody's operations different. You know, you know some guys you know they're pilots and some guys have horses and some guys you know I you know I have guides and I'm a guide and though that was you know lots of guys have employees but that was kind of my main focus is. I, my crew, my crew of guides, um, you know, I got lots of young guides and I got lots of guys with young families that, you know, this isn't their fault. And, you know, I, I hoped that Nikki and I had been, you know, smart enough that, you know, we weren't running it on shoestrings to where when stuff like this happened, we could, we could take care of those that, that had been there for us. And so trying to keep the guides busy. That was one of my main focuses. You know, when you start chartering aircraft to places and you start, you know, having to do lots of things like that, um, you know, certain hunts aren't very profitable, but you're able to pay your your employees. And and that that was kind of where we were at, making sure that that was going to be able to happen, that they were going to be taken care of because this is going to pass. And I still need those guys to, you know, go to battle, you know, making sure that – hunters are successful. So that was my main focus, but you know, lots of guys, I don't know how everybody did their business. Basically, um, you know, we decided if you had a contract with us, you know, if you were contracted with us and you had given us money for your hunt and we had to move your hunt. So on the Kodiak guys, I mean, they had given me money. We moved them back a year. Everybody got moved back a year. Everybody got accordioned. I'm not going to take a guy who's been waiting for four years and then kick him to the back of the line. Everybody got accordioned back. And whatever that contract was for, I honored their contract. Now, you know, I don't know what other guys did, and it doesn't really matter. That's just what I did. Now, I will say, if you didn't have a contract with me and I had given you a price verbally or on email and we don't have a contract – that price probably is not still valid because sure. this whole thing has changed. Um, the more remote you get, um, the more expensive things are getting because things got even weirder uh, come fall time for us operating. I hear you talk about one of the local uh, airlines that flies to 140 different communities goes bankrupt. One of the biggest challenges from being with you in Alaska on my hunt, although my portion was super simple, 
logistics, like you said, is, is a super challenging part of outfitting in Alaska. What has that airline going bankrupt done? And I would assume it's cost anybody that's traveling, it's going to cost them more money because there's less competition. Um, maybe there's not even another carrier to tell us about that. Well, there hasn't been another carrier. There's people that are kind of um, piecemealing it together because the communities still have to be serviced with with uh, medical stuff and things like that. But basically, we had a we had a once a day flight going into Unicleet. Now um, there was a you know and that would take you know 30 passengers. Now there's they ended up being in the fall uh, three days a week. It'd take eight passengers, and you had to bake that that airline and reservation way in advance so when a guy got done if he wanted to like hey i'm done when can i get out it might be a week before he could get a a ticket out so those are the type of things that um became so we had to charter flights we had to do things like that the expensive travel and now i do think things are going to get better the airline that went bankrupt um was sold on the auction they say they're going to go back to trying to get things back the way they were but you know guys always you know when when i get to spend some time with the guys on the hill because you know just like you guys aren't coming on these type of hunts that don't have some sense of business they sit there and they start asking you know hey man how's this work and why are things so expensive and they start you know hearing the logistical challenges um and like this year i wasn't you know this was the price of the hunt and this is what it is and stuff like that when it costs me where it would normally cost me $500 to get a guide out to the village. To, now it's cost me $1,500 a guide and I'm guide heavy and I got packers, you know, that kind of stuff adds up. But that was just, that's just the price of doing business. I can't pass that on. You got to make sure, you know, as a, I don't want to talk about other people, but I just told myself, I got to make sure I got enough built in that I can handle that because in Alaska, when you have problems, the only way you fix it is throw money at it. And you better be able to have that reserve to throw money at it. Otherwise, you're going to have clients that are upset. Yeah, Lance, I've been hearing stuff about um, a lot of outfitters doing surcharges and just some different stuff. Seems a little bit goofy. Your thoughts on that? You know, I don't know how everybody else is going to do it. I don't, I'm not going to tell people how to run their business. I, you know, and I, I just know how I'm going to do it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a people business, you know, as much as we all want to come hunting and take a great big animal home, I'm in the people business. And I, uh, I went on a guided hunt this year and, um, I just kind of think of it, how, how would I want to be treated? And, you know, these guys aren't, they're not partners in my business. They're, they're, you know, they're paying for a service and we have a contract and, um, that's kind of how I look at it. So, um, however everybody else wants to do it, that's, that's their business. That's just, um, that's the way I'm doing it. Um, and, uh, you know, it, we, we're, we're all going to take it through this, you know, this COVID stuff. And, um, I'm just, I'm hoping it passes. And when it gets, uh, back to normal, we can get back to just, you know, running smoothly and, 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 you know, what the prices are going to go up. People got to realize prices are going to go up. We're going to make, you know, if, if we didn't, if we're not profitable and the industry can handle it, we'll make up for it in the future. But, um, I'm going to honor the contracts I have right now. 
moving forward, Lance, with hunts, uh, whether whatever species it might be, um, where do you see opportunities if people want to book hunts as far as for your different uh, grizzly bear, brown bear, um, you know, mountain goat, doll sheep, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about doll sheep and the toke and the chugach and all that, but just specifically. Um, what animals do you cover and what do you have, uh, in the next, you know, two, three, four, five years out in the outlook? Gotcha. So we guide for brown bear, grizzly bear, doll sheep, goat, moose, and Sitka blacktail deer down on Kodiak Island. So, um, I will say guys that are, you know, that are listening and stuff, you need to, you need to plan out a little bit farther than you have in the past. Uh, I think if anything, and COVID made guys realize they need to get out and go hunting more. Um, and I think guys are are really concerned about what's going on overseas as far as, you know, hunts in Africa and different countries. And um, I think New Zealand and Australia, are, you know, they're shut down. And, and so guys are looking for places to go. And we've had a lot of inquiries. So my recommendation to guys is, you know, figure out what you want to do and, and plan stuff um, a little bit farther in advance than you have uh, in the past. Um, we're, you know, we have openings in 22 and 23, 21's pretty much filled. But I would, I would recommend that guys really look at the hunts that are the destination hunts that they want to do. You know, I say doll sheep, brown bear, you know, the, the, I, I want to go do that. But I also rec- recommend guys look at things that are the camaraderie hunts me and my wife went and did an elk hunt in montana and i can't say how much fun we had being the clients and being in camp with a bunch of guys and it's nothing like what we do where we're living in a backpack tent and you know it's you know this was fun and it was one of those hunts and so our our sitka plaquedel deer hunts down on kodiak are kind of like that come back and and i'm you know, guys forget sometimes that's part of the hunt is the camaraderie. And so anyway, I, that's that's kind of where uh, my two cents on, on looking at the future. For sure. Um, let's dive in a little bit with the Chugach and the Toke um, and talk a little bit. So in Alaska, just for the listeners out there, kind of tell them, you know, you can buy hunts that are, you know, over the counter, so to speak, you just buy and go. And then there's also a draw system from what I heard on a lot of the Alaska, um, you know, buy and go, it was super, super crowded out there. And there was some definite challenges with that. And then talk about that and your thoughts on that, as well as then talk about these draw hunts with the Chugach and the Toke. Gotcha. Well, we just, our guide association just had our, our licensing meetings. And um, one of the things that really came up was uh, conflicts in the field this past season. And, uh, you know, um, we didn't see it, but it sounded like there was a lot of conflicts in the field because there was more people in the field, sheep hunting in the open areas than before. Um, and, 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 you know, there's a lot of reasons for that, but just there were a lot of guys that didn't get to go hunting in Canada. They were looking for a place to hunt. I mean, we had lots of phone calls, but it was, it was a long, it was 10 or 12 years ago. I, I decided I didn't want to be doing that kind of competition in the open areas. And so we decided that we were going to hunt the, the draw areas. Not the best business decision. We don't 
know how many hunters we have each year. That's a lot of work getting everybody applied in the draw. But the guys that draw, you know, we have a good chance of killing a very, very respectable ram and having a, a very enjoyable hunt. So last year we had six draw hunters. We killed six rams. Um, four were in the toke, two were in 14C. Um, we had to work really hard. Um, you know, last last year we had a tough winter, and nobody knew the extent of it because with COVID they didn't do uh, the flight surveys. So um, I still think doing applying for toke and 14C is a good option if guys are looking to go on a good doll sheep hunt and they're looking for a great experience and having a good opportunity at harvesting a respectable legal ram. If a guy is saying, hey, I want to apply for Alaska doll sheep, put me in for the best area where I got the best chance of killing a 40-inch ram, this is not the year. And it might not be the year for a couple more years. Um, for both you know, the Chugach and the Toke or just the Toke? Both. 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 Um, partly, the Chugach has kind of stayed the same. As I mean, it's pretty even keel. It's not getting better. It's not getting worse. But it's just, um, you know, the Chugach is a coastal mountain range. Um, rams get to 9 or 10. They probably don't make it through the winter. It's it's a it's not uh, it's not a Northwest Territories where you have you know uh, super cold light fluffy snow. This is kind of cold and it gets ice and stuff like that. And so we just don't have the longevity. It just the coastal range doesn't allow for it. So uh, I just I, I tell guys this year if you want to go have an opportunity at killing a, you know, a 37, 38 inch ram, have a great hunt and you're going to have to work hard because, you know, the number of sheep, um, aren't what they used to be, especially in the toke, but there, there are legal rams. I mean, we had to work hard last year. We killed four rams in the toke. They were, uh, between eight and 11 years old and they were between 37 and a half and 41 and a half. So we killed nice rams. We just had to work really hard. Same thing, same type of stuff in 14C. We killed two rams there, a nine and a ten-year-old. Um, both of them, you know, between 37 and 38. Nice. And we've talked before uh, where the toke are kind of the flared-out um, kind of tippy rams. Then you've got the chugach where they're bigger-based and more broomers and kind of like the one I killed, um, talk a little bit about the difference in the two units. Yeah, you know, the, the, both of them extremely physical. We, you know, we used to say that, you know, toke was, was physically easier to get around. It's easier to get around in the toke and, like, you can kind of keep hunting um, on the ridge tops, but you still got to travel Distance, great distances. Right. Yeah, that's, um, and, 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 you know, like your hunt when we did it in the Chugach, we had to travel, travel great distance, but we, you know, if you got to a certain place and you say, Hey, we need to go over here. You couldn't just keep following the ridge. You had to right. come all the way back down and, and, and regroup and, and get into a new drainage. And Mostly so, because of the jagged nature yes. of the terrain compared to the toke where it's a little bit more, um, grassy ridges and stuff where you can kind of navigate around. Correct. Correct. Okay. You don't have the glacial, you don't have the glacial type of terrain um you know you don't have the glacial tailings and all that kind of stuff that uh we're fighting when we're in in 14c i mean you know it was 
every year, you know, been doing this 25 years. I, I, you know, you never, you never know it all. And every year when I hear the hunters and I spend time with them out there, I cut, I get back and our hunters, our sheep hunters this year, every single one of them was great. Every single one of them, when they got done, their experience was a little bit different, but the guys all came back and said they really, really enjoyed the struggle and then the success. Right. And I, I, I came to the, the realization is that's the attitude that fits with our program. I don't need everybody applying for a doll sheep tag and a guy drawn that that's not his attitude because it's not going to be enjoyable for them and it's not going to be enjoyable for us. The, you you um, specialize in, what is it, wet, cold, and miserable? I mean, if you're coming to Alaska <laughs> and that's not what you think you're getting – this is the wrong place for you. Yeah. Um, all right. So you're still um, you're still saying to apply for the toke and the chugach, but what you're saying is the toke um, had had some die off, and you're you're going to have to work to find legal rams. Whereas maybe two three years ago, you know the rams are very plentiful and you didn't have to work quite as much as you would now to get a legal ram that is correct i'm saying everybody needs to to have realistic expectations and i, I i'm trying to make sure before a guy applies because you know what's happened in the world of applying is guys think hey when i apply for a tag and then they draw especially if it has low draw odds it's going to be an easy hunt something. yeah or they got something that's got tremendous trophy quality right drawing a tag here allows you to hunt in an area that is not over hunted but it doesn't necessarily mean you've got tremendous uh trophy quality but it's got on that same average. but on that same token you have to apply in order to gain uh the bonus point correct no, we do not have a bonus point system in Alaska. Okay, so I I applied with you and Drew on my second year, um, and but there's a lot of people that have been applying for the same tag I put in and not drawn in ten or twelve or fourteen years, right? Correct. I mean, I got a couple of guys that have been applying for yeah, fourteen, fifteen years, have not drawn a tag. Last year we had a guy Drew his very first year applying. Okay. So if people want to apply for the 14C and the toke, what do they need to do? Go to our website, freelanceoutdooradventures.com. Um, right there on the front page, it'll say, as the sliders go by, it'll say, apply now. And you, you click on it, and there's an application page there. Um, fill out the application and send it to us. Or you can go to our website, and it has contact us and you can send me an email and, and I, I can give more information or I can send the application that way also. But um, basically the state requires us to have an application with the client and then we'll put them in um, for uh, where they're going to hunt and we'll do it all. Cause yeah, we have to put in our outfitter code. Um, my, my uh, managing partner, John, he's the one who's contracts the, token 14c and he works you know he's been with us for 15 years and we make sure we sit down and we try to spread guys out to where not all of our clients are fighting against each other because there's about there's about eight different tags 
that guys can apply for it. There's different time frames in 14C. Like you had the second hunt in Peters Creek. There's a first, second, and third hunt. Um, and so we just try to spread guys out on time frames they can come and, and physical ability. All right, let's talk about mountain goat. Um, how do guys hunt mountain goat with you? So we got we got goat hunts on uh, Kodiak, and we have them in 14C where they draw. So um, the 14C goat hunts, you know, the goats in 14C are bigger bodied than the goats on Kodiak. The goats on Kodiak we get to hunt late in the year, so they have they can have really good hair. Now the goats that we hunt in 14C, we hunt them in first part of September. They have good hair, but they don't have you know six inch long flowing hair like the Kodiak goats hunt goats do that we hunt at the end of October or the first part of November. Um, just the thing is, is our Kodiak goat hunts. We just we have a healthy population, but we we just take three or four guys a year. Um, it's just one of those things we don't take a lot of guys can't handle a ton of pressure um and the chugach hunts you know we had two people draw they killed two nice billies um it's a physical hunt uh especially getting to camp but once you're in camp you're kind of camped with the goats um we had a lady last year and she did great she killed an eight-year-old billy Um, our billies on kodiak don't we won't kill anything that's probably over six years old. They're just um, those goats in the winter come too close to the ocean and um, they just get shot by locals down, down on the ocean. So it's just um, makes it tough for us to get a really old goat on Kodiak. So I recommend if guy wants to go goat hunting um, to put in for 14 C, it's a real limited number. There's six non-resident tags there guys have about a 25% chance of drawing. Um, I just recommend that guys apply for that goat hunt. If you draw, knock on wood, you know, we've been 100% success. If guys show up in shape and we'll just, uh, it's a great hunt. You get a guide and a packer and, um, you know, the difference between a great goat and a good goat is about an inch and horn, but there's a big difference between killing an August billy and killing a September billy and just, you know, the length of their hair. All right, Lance, um, what about your moose hunts? Moose hunts, um, you know, they're, one thing I've, I've found is I, I haven't done a good job of explaining to guys how physical they are. You know, we always gauge stuff. Well, it's easier than a sheep hunt. Well, that's not, you know, our moose hunts are, are, are extremely physical. Guys need to be able to walk. Um, they're super remote. They're, you know, they're not backpack style. We fly in, set up a camp. Um, uh, you know, you got a cot and you got a stove and a lantern and stuff like that, but it's all fly in, fly out. And it's all, you know, go to a glass and knob, spend a lot of time glassing. Um, and when you find the moose that is the one we want to shoot, if it's five miles away, we're going to go five miles away and, and kill it. And then we're going to figure out how we're going to get it out. Um, and guys got to be willing to, to do that. I've, I found that, I didn't do a great job of portraying that to guys and guys are showing up and going, I ain't going to walk over there. And it's like, <laughs> well, it ain't going to walk by the tent. And they're like, well, I just thought we'd just call them over here. Um, our country, because it's so open, you know, guys always think, Hey, well, you can call a moose in because it's so open. 
we can call moose, but you know, if they're not seeing a lot of, um, they're not seeing what they're hearing, even though we got decoys and stuff like that, you you don't call one from, you know, a couple miles away. Usually you're not calling the ones you want to shoot. That's for sure. That far away. So, um, anyway, uh, moose have been in, in high demand. I tell guys if they're interested in a moose, they definitely need to, uh, call and get on the list. And, um, and just understand, it's it's more of an adventure hunt than guy. Our moose hunts are more of an adventure hunt than most guys realize. And so um, I got I got a few guys that are like, man, this was an awesome physical, you know, adventure type hunt. I just want to turn around and do it again. Lance, every hunt with you is an adventure type hunt. <laughs> I've I, I realized, you know, when, when Nikki and I went and did, we went down to Montana, and I, I can't express, you know, outfitters all need to go take some of their own money and go spend it on a hunt so that they get to be the client. So they, you know, just get to put the, the, the shoe on the other foot and how much fun we had and what a great job they did. And then I got back and I go, well, this is what most guys think. And that hunt was not very physical, very enjoyable. We saw lots of elk. The pack out was easy. It was just everything was great about it. And guys are like, oh, I want to go to Alaska and do a moose hunt. And nothing about that hunt has any correlation <laughs> with Alaska. Uh, well said. Well said. Okay, your blacktail hunts, um, are you doing those like off of a boat in a bay or how does that work? It's, it's, I, we got, we got a, a tent set up, uh, where we got, uh, Arctic oven tents. Uh, we got a big tent. So we take, we can take four guys, two guides. Uh, so there's six guys in camp. Um, we got a big tent where everybody can have dinner in the same tent and we can have, you know, give each other a, a little bit of grief each evening. But, um, it's, uh, they're good hunts. Nobody's coming blacktail hunting with us looking for, a Boone and Crockett buck guys are coming. We're going to shoot respectable deer. We're going to shoot 80, 90 inch black tiles. We're going to have lots of fun. Country's open. We're going to see deer. Um, you know, they're, they're real respectable price wise. So it's just one of those things that, um, I had a, I had a guy this year hadn't hunted with us before came and did a moose hunt and had so much fun on this moose hunt and said, Hey, what do you got anything open? Well, I got a blacktail hunt open. I had a guy come, and he doesn't have anybody coming with him. He goes, I'll come. And so we came with him, shot a blacktail first day, and, and just he really like drilled into my head, hey, man, I killed a nice buck, but this was so much fun. I'd just do it again for the fun we had with all the guides and telling the stories and all that kind of stuff. Um, he says, you need to really pump that because I'm, I'm very, uh, very much want to – articulate to guys don't come looking for Boone and Crockett bucks and that has made it hard for me to sell those uh those hunts uh in the past but of all your hunts it's more of just a fun great get together more of a style like what the guided hunt you just went on where uh terrain's a little bit easier to get around you know you see lots of deer and it's opportunity good good thing to take some newer hunters just to get them involved and get them out in the woods and a, a great fun hunt, right? Exactly. And you're going to get to see some Kodiak, Alaska weather, which that's always, that, I, that that's something that most people don't see. Even when we have just uh, 
a little bit of a storm. Like, you know, most people have never really spent any time outside when it's blowing 50. And, you know, like it's blowing 50, like we can stand up, let's go hunting. Blowing <laughs> 80, well, then we'll stay in the tent. <laughs> uh, um, Lance, I know you got to use this new Swarovski 115 uh, millimeter objective lens uh, this year. What are your thoughts on the 115? Man, it was awesome. It it was it was awesome under the right condition. Um, I took it uh, when we did the grizzly bear hunt. We were able to go do that. I took it with me. Now, uh, anywhere that you're hunting, you're using a spot and scope, like what you guys are doing for coos deer and what you guys are doing for mule deer. It's just unbelievable on, you know, how clear it was from side to side. Um, just the mount the the field of view was not it was just it was a step up and there's like when you go from the 65 millimeter spot and scope to the 95 i have a couple guides that have 65s and i carry the 95 and like all of a sudden they'll be like hey i'll take my scope today like we're going deer hunting like well i don't need to have my big scope and i'll i'll look through their 65 and i'm like what is this piece of junk (laughs) and and they're like what do you mean i'm like this thing sucks compared to my 95 and so that is kind of the next step when you go from the 95 to the 115. You just go, holy Toledo, it's that big a difference. Now, with that being said, you can't use the same tripod. You yeah. better have a sturdy tripod. If you're going to be doing something out of a truck, you're going to be doing something on a side-by-side four-wheeler, you need to have a way bigger, sturdier tripod. Also with that... You know, we took it grizzly bear hunting. We went on a couple stalks. I threw it in the side of my, uh, in the side of my Barney's pack, and away I went. It is heavy, and it's it's enough weight difference between the 95 that it won't go on any backpack hunts. Like I'm not taking it sheep hunting. Makes sense. I'm not taking it. I'm not taking it any place where I may need to walk. You know, an hour with it. It's that heavy. It's that much of a difference that's on that side of the pack. It ends up pulling the pack. I mean, it's, I want to say I weighed it. I think it's almost eight pounds. I mean, that's like having another rifle. And you got to remember, I'm carrying a rifle, spot and scope, tripod. You know, I, I got, I got a fair amount of stuff. And all of a sudden, um, it, and it barely, like, you won't fit it in the side pocket of your Kuyu backpack. Right. It has to go inside the backpack. It's like carrying so, a spare tire. <laughs> yeah. There is But optically it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Like I I, I got one coming. Uh, you know, I gotta use it and uh it was great and Dean's like, Hey man, can you I need you to send it back? I said, No problem. So I sent it back and it was optically unbelievable. You just have to know where to use it and 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 like we do with a lot of our equipment it's you know you need a quiver of optics it's not not one optic for every scenario and so it's it's one of those things that um we'll have i had uh, i had a couple hunters in camp with it and they were like wow this is you know it's you know we videoed through it we videoed a bear through it at probably three miles and i had this sarosky digiscope and i hooked up my fancy camera and videoed and that was another 
test because if that optical quality isn't tremendous, that video ends up being really grainy, and it was unbelievable. Lance, I want to ask you about Kuyu gear. Um, obviously, you were involved with Kuyu way early on with Jason and Brendan and the whole thing. And I see you in a lot of the pictures wearing the Velo pattern. Um, how do you like that pattern for Alaska? It's worked good. It's, 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 you know, for us, it's the, it's the best pattern. It's, it's, um, you know, on a personal note, when, when I put it on it, uh, it's like, man, I can't put this on. This is what Jason, this is, this isn't what Jason and I always wore. We always wore, uh, the bias and, and it's just, but you know, Nikki's like, man, that's not what you and Jason wore. And I said, I know, but it, it was time to turn over a new leaf. It was, um, all my guides all wear Vias, so I'm like, all right, I'm going to get this uh, this Velo stuff, and I'm going to use it. And it was kind of nice because, you know, we didn't get items mixed up. But in Alaska, we're dealing with a lot of yellow, dead grass. We're dealing with, you know, especially like Kodiak Island. We're, we're dealing with a lot of lighter colors. We're not dealing with dark timber. We're not dealing with that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it's amazing when guys show up like on a moose hunt, they show up like first part of September and, you know, the leaves are already turning colors and they're like, what's going on? I'm like, what do you mean? I, you know, isn't this early for this? I'm like, no, that's what happens is so the yellowish kind of color, um, it works good. I've been real impressed with the Velo. It's, um, they did a good job rolling it out, um, in, in all of the items. I was kind of worried it wouldn't be in every item, and I don't know what it is. It might be my ADD, but I do not like mixing camo. So I was like, man, I'm, I was happy that they got it in all the gators and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I we're seeing more and more hunters show up with it. But for Alaska, if a guy says, hey, I don't have anything, and I'm going to get started, and I'm going to Alaska, or I'm going somewhere like that, I I I'd highly recommend that camo pattern. Lance, we've talked on other podcasts and in person as well. You you also kind of offer a service. I don't know how much you do it anymore or with the COVID and everything, but um, for certain individuals uh, and families, uh, you will basically go on hunts with them and help them organize hunts on big hunts. Are you still doing that? And if anyone's out there listening that kind of wants you to in other words, take the bull by the horns and help them get their grand slam or, you know, things like that. Will you do that still? Yes, I still do that. It's, um, I'm, I like, I'm only doing it for North America sheep. You know, I've went to Tajikistan. I've done some stuff. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of not going to do anything that is, I just say that's outside my purview now. Um, it's been a while. Um, so, but I'm going to go down to, Tiburon Island here in a month. I'm going to go to Carmen Island a couple times after the first year. Um, so the, the sheep hunt stuff that I do, um, guys that want to set it up, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a special service. It's, you know, I tell guys it's, I, I'm doing it because I enjoy it. I'm not doing it. Um, cause it's, you know, I have to do it. It's, it's expensive for guys, but if they want I, I would say the service is guy says, I don't have time to set up the research. I want to make sure that I'm going on a hunt that I'm not going to have an issue with. I want somebody to go with me 
that's going to be able to speak the language. I'm going to understand what they're saying when they say, hey, you probably should kill this one because you've heard it and I've heard it, but there's nothing worse than, hey, there's a band of four Rams and they're saying shoot and the guy's not 100% sure. Like, which one is he talking about? You know, is it the third one from the right or is it the second one from the left? Or like, like, and that is like out of everything, that's like with the most important to make sure we're shooting the right ramp. And, and that's where, um, I would say my value really, really comes in because, um, there's that, that's, that's an ugly feeling. Knock on wood. I haven't had it, but you know, walking up on a ram that that was the shot, the wrong one that I, I wouldn't want to experience that, but I've heard about it plenty of times. And I, I just, I'm, I'm not saying it can't happen and I'm not saying it doesn't happen to good people, but that's what, you know, we're very, very cognizant that we're on the same page so that that doesn't happen. And that's probably the value I bring, but you know, the guides are, I don't guide it. The guides I work with, you know, they know me, we work together. Good. I do lots of spotting. I do lots of field judging and, try to score it the best I can, but to make sure that it's smooth from A to B, that's kind of what I do. In essence, you're kind of acting as a liaison between the outfitter and guide and the client uh, so that you can add an extra layer of communication um, between the guides and the client to make sure that the client gets what they're looking for. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, sometimes we we lose sight. I'm in the business of making sure guys go home with a smile, whatever it is. I don't care if we're hunting sage rats or if we're hunting elephants. That's, that's basically, uh, I want guys going home saying, man, that's a great experience. I would do that with Lance again. I would do that with one of Lance's guides again. If they say, Hey, that wasn't a great experience. I would never do that again. Then I need to examine, was that something we did? Was it something they did? Was it not a good fit? And so that's always a continuing learning education, but that's what the ultimate goal for me always has been um, is that the guy would say, Hey, you know what? I had a, I had a good experience. I would do that again. Yeah, it's great stuff. Uh, Lance uh, freelance outdoor adventures.com. Is that the best way? And uh, I assume you can, I'll put in the show notes, your phone number, but um, what's the best way for guys to get a hold of you? You know, the best way actually Email is the best way. It's amazing. I'm getting old and I cannot remember everything. It's like I, I, I talk to somebody on the phone. I got to send them an email. My email is the best way, which is freelanceoa at mac.com. That's the best way to communicate with me. Um, I can, I can uh, make sure I, I can send emails at midnight or I can do it at three in the morning. Perfect, man. Well, it's always great talking to you. Uh, tell Nikki and the kids hello. And um, with the shows probably all being shut down, uh, that's going to be a little bit different for you. Normally, you're always doing SCI and doing some of the shows. Um, what are your thoughts with that? Well, I my thoughts are, I, I don't know if this might be the death of the shows. I'm, it, it, it won't. But I think when this is all said and done, the outfitters are going to realize going to the shows um, probably are not as important. I mean, it's amazing, you know, the amount of inquiries we just had. So I think the shows are great. I'd still go. Um, just we're going to miss seeing our friends. But right. I, things are going to change. I mean, I think lots of things are going to change the, 
you know, 10 years from now, we're going to go, man, we did it this way until COVID hit and now we're doing it a different way. So, you know, as, as old and crusty as I am on certain things, I'm trying to learn to like, um, try to be fluid because things are changing and, and we've got to adapt and I'm going to miss not seeing you and seeing the guys there. But, um, you know, when we get back together, when this all does pass, uh, I think I will say this, the hunters that came hunting this year, it was the most excited as a whole group of clients I ever had. I think if we can ever take a positive out of all of this is myself, my guides and all the clients included had a much greater appreciation for the time they spent out in uh, God's creation. And so I think when it's all said and done, um, that might be something that we really take, take a, uh, look at and be able to uh, be thankful for our time out there and our, our time with our friends. For sure, buddy. All right. Thanks for coming on and sharing with us. It was great chatting with you. God bless. Uh, like I said, tell the, the family hello and uh, we'll see you down the road. All right. Thanks, Jay. All right, buddy. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye.